AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song? Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 Plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movie Crush. Charles W. Chuck Bryant here with Noel. Say hello, Noel. Chuck. Uh, and I said say hello, Noel. Hello, Noel. <laughs> right here in Pont City Market at our home studio in Atlanta, Georgia. And welcome to episode two of these shorter mini episodes. I think we should have probably had a name at this point. So just ignore this part. want to welcome everyone, though. Uh one thing I'm going to do at the onset of each episode is recap what you heard the week before uh, on the interview. So um, hopefully you heard on Friday, um, wonderful Tony Hale live at San Francisco Sketchfest. Uh, could not have gone better. It was so much fun. Big thanks to Tony Hale for that. And hope you guys enjoyed that live version. And look for more of those in the future. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hit the road quite like I do with stuff you should know. But every now and then, uh, I'm gonna try and get some shows together in some smaller rooms. It's a lot of fun. Uh, this week, we are going to do a few different segments. Oh, also want to preview uh, upcoming Oscar show. If you aren't on the Facebook page, you might not have seen this, but I had the idea to get some recording gear, take it home with me, uh, break out some wine, and sit down with my lovely wife, Emily, and do a pre-Oscar show where we kind of go over the nominees and what we're expecting and what we saw and what we liked and didn't like. And then we're going to record a post-Oscar special. So I would reckon 
that the Oscars are on March 4th. So the Monday before that Sunday, we'll do the pre-show. And then if all goes well, the morning after, or let's be real, the afternoon after on the next Monday, the 5th, we'll do our post-Oscars wrap-up. You guys going to place bets? On like who, who the winner is, have your picks, and then like argue about it, and Maybe. then uh, see who the winner is. I doubt, there may be some arguing. All right, cool. <laughs> Emily's are a little once, nervous. Once you get already. into the Pinot Grige. <laughs> yeah. The, the, people seem pretty excited about this. They're like, Emily plus wine plus Chuck equals fun every time. We're going to put Ruby to bed, and uh, there will probably be dogs barking at some point. But I'm just going to leave all that stuff in because give you a peek behind the curtain. So look forward to that. And like I said in the first uh, shorter episode, we are are calling for people on Facebook to interact here. And that's where most of these segments are coming from. And everyone's really pretty excited about all this stuff. And that makes me excited. And I can Noel is awake, so that means he's excited. And this week we're going to do a few different segments. We're going to start off like we usually do with social studies. Social studies with Charles W. Chuck Bryant. So this week I put out the question, uh, what is your, is your favorite romantic comedy? And this is a uh, – romantic comedies are tough because a lot of times they wouldn't necessarily qualify as great film or great cinema, not to get too snooty. Uh, but people love them, and that's kind of what this show is about. It's not um, it's, it's not a snotty look at the deepest films on the planet. Sometimes they're just movies we love. And romantic comedies, you know, there's there's some good ones out there. And I'm going to go ahead and chime in with mine. And this was tough because I thought about going with some offbeat romantic comedies like this movie Happy Accidents, which is wonderful with Vincent D'Onofrio and uh, Marissa Tomei that has a weird sci-fi angle or, or on that same note, uh, one called Safety Not Guaranteed um, that also had a weird sort of sci-fi angle. Is that the time travel one with Aubrey Plaza? Yes. Yeah. But there are romantic comedies, and I, I did love those movies. But I'm going to go super tradish here, and I'm going to throw out one of the all-time greats, When Harry Met Sally. Uh, just one of the best. The great Nora Ephron just wrote the shit out of that movie. Mm. One of the best romantic comedy scripts of all time. And um, just wonderfully acted by Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan and Bruno Kirby and the wonderful uh, late Carrie Fisher. Just a really good – Solid, solid movie. Tells a great love story. It's just sappy and sweet in all the right ways. Not seen it. Oh, no. another hole. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Are you a little cynical with romantic comedies? Or well, can you my girlfriend it? is really into them, so I've kind of gotten a, a, a little bit of schooling in rom coms of, of late. But no, they're not. They've never been something I sought out. Um, is Harold and Maude a romantic comedy? <laughs> That's just, uh, see, that's the problem, right? Because it's almost a term of like a, a, a derision, almost. Agreed. Right? Yeah. But yeah, in a weird way, I think Harold and Maude is was definitely supposed to be yeah. a sort of romantic comedy. That's probably. I'm not alone in saying probably that's one of my favorite movies of yeah. all time. So yeah. Hal Ashby, the great mm. Hal Ashby. So that's mine. That's Knowles. And let's tick through some of these on Facebook. Uh, Carrie Bernstein. So I married an axe murderer. So funny and so realistic. In human neuroses and behavior. Sure, that counts. Stranger Than Fiction from Caleb Omar Elizondo. Great name. A lot of people put this one. Uh, they said, I love it when comedy actors play more serious roles. And Will Ferrell was amazing playing off Maggie Gyllenhaal. Agreed. 
Uh, a bunch of people said Love Actually. I have not seen that movie. That's the one with like the signs, right? Really no comes. Idea. Yeah, it's it's trope almost. It's so it's like he comes to the door and doesn't say anything and just holds up these signs that say different like romantic kind of tongue in cheek oh, yeah. stuff. And I forget it's the actor that played um, the main dude in Walking Dead. Um, what the heck's his name? He's an English actor. But anyway, yeah. he's the the, the love the interest. The sheriff. Uh-huh. Yeah. I can't remember the actor's name. I'll I thought Love Actually was Hugh Grant. Am I thinking of He's the... in that too, but oh, this, okay. is the, this is the part where he he walks up to the door and like holds up these signs. And there's actually a cut of it that makes it look like a horror movie. <laughs> there's a bunch of those like for different stuff, but that one's particularly good. If you want to check out Love Actually as a horror movie, that's a fun one. Oh, I will. And I know, trust me, a lot of people love this movie. And I'm in the, in the rare company of Noel and I, neither one of us having seen it. But Trish Wallace's Love Actually... When the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls were from people on board or messages of hate or revenge. They were all messages of love. That must be a quote from the movie. No idea there was a 9-11 angle to love, actually. <laughs> I don't know. Kubi, uh, Don Kubi, Kubes, one of our good old friends. Uh, she says when Harry met Sally. Rewatch it every year, and it's a perfect combination of funny and sweet. And the secondary characters, Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher, make the whole movie for me hilarious. Agreed, Kubes. Matt Jones says Shaun of the Dead, probably more for us Brits, but the mix of horror, comedy, romance, and British pub culture was awesome. Also very quotable. Heather Miller, we had a bunch of these for Notting Hill. So uh, Heather Miller says, Hugh Grant's best movie for sure. Everything feels authentic and it doesn't feel forced like most rom-coms do. Did you see that one? Nope. You don't see any romantic comedies. No, like I said, I'm kind of getting roped in more and more lately, but uh, I hear no. You. Uh, Tyler Murphy, Murph, one of, another one of our good old uh, faithful listeners, says, Sleepless in Seattle, there isn't anything more cute yet more hilarious than your kid trying to hook you up with someone by calling a radio talk show without you knowing. I have seen that. I saw that in the theater, actually. I've never seen that all the yeah. way through. That was like right. And then You Got Mail was like the next the right. next one. Yeah. I saw both of those in the theater. Don't remember much about them. but Well, the classic pairing of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Uh, and I, I'm going to see if I can find it. Someone. Oh, here it is right here. Uh, Jason Wortham, I agree, sir. Joe versus the Volcano. It's one of my favorite all-time movies and I think one of the great underrated movies of all time. I've said it before over the years and stuff you should know. But Jason, I totally agree. He says in part because of repeating themes, overt symbolism, and a unique com- uh, comedic tone make it much more than a run-of-the-mill rom-com. Also because Abe Vigoda, he says. You're correct, sir, on all counts. That's great. Oh, Vanessa Lopez, also with Joe versus the Volcano. Offbeat quirkiness and Abe Vigoda. Who knew? Abe Vigoda. All these fans. Another for Notting Hill from Carrie O'Neill. Uh, another for When Harry Met Sally. Uh, Kelly uh, Zaliga, I believe is how you pronounce that name. Um, Joe Herndon, 500 Days of Summer. I think it ac- accurately portrays the way some young men can literally torture themselves after they get their hearts ripped out by someone they thought were a perfect match. I like that one. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. It's a good one. I actually worked with Mark Webb, the director of that movie. He was a music video guy, ah. and he may still be doing some of that. But uh, when I was a PA in Los Angeles, and Emily was just my friend at that point, she was a producer and produced music videos, and I worked a lot of jobs with her. And Mark, we worked on probably five or six Mark Webb jobs uh, on music videos. Cool. And then he did this movie, and we were both like, what? And then he did the Spider-Man movie, and we were like, what? Yeah. 
So congratulations to Mark for upping your ante in your career. People give it so much shit, but I really liked Garden State. I haven't seen it in years, but I I quite enjoyed that when it came out. And then it just became this like trope of like hipsterdom, awfulness kind of. Yeah, yeah. we may need to do a special segment on Garden State at one point because I really liked it when it came out. But I also have been a victim, I think, to the – the recategorization of that movie over yeah, the years yeah. as being awful. Well, it also spawned the whole manic pixie dream girl trope, right. which is problematic in and of itself. Absolutely. And it's sort of a bummer, you know. Yeah, with uh, – uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, that's the – sort of the notion that the the little girl in the movie – and I say little girl because that's usually how it's portrayed. Sure. Is like this little, little sort of pixie-esque girl who's only there to serve – the romantic whims of the man. Yeah, and to change him in some way. To yeah, call, he's some like, quirky he's, way. Yeah, he's, he's in the doldrums, and she lifts him up out of his sadness, and he becomes a whole person. Right, yeah. while she has not much of a character arc of her yeah, right, own. Right, exactly. So, and, yeah. and God, we never need to hear that uh, Shin song ever again because of that movie. <laughs> New slang. That sucks, man. That was a great song. Great song. I love the Shins. They're amazing. Uh, but yeah, kind of corny when I look back on it. And boy, Zach Braff, he's taken a beating over the years because of that movie. I kind of feel bad for him a little bit, but should I? I don't know. I mean, I thought Scrubs was wonderful. I really liked that show a lot. I never so, saw Scrubs. It's really fun. Yeah. It's, it's it's really, really fun show. And well, he's, he he's, a, new he's a talented guy. He has an, have you seen the new one about the podcast? Oh, <laughs> you posted that. <laughs> and I was just like, okie doke. We have jumped. You said it. You said that our industry has officially jumped the I shark. Know. <laughs> uh, if you guys haven't seen it, Zach Braff is coming out with a new show where he plays uh, – I think it's the story of Gimlet, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? Where uh, he plays a, a dude who starts his own podcast network against all odds. And it – oh, God, it looks bad. It looks really bad. The fledgling rags to riches yeah, story of maybe. podcasting. And, and it had to be Zach Braff, of uh, course. I know. Like anyone else in – well, it still looked bad no matter what. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. Does Rushmore count from Edwin Forrest Glenn? There's romance and there's certainly comedy. Um, it is a, a in a way not the traditional yeah. rom com because when you say rom com, it definitely brings to mind certain types of things. It, it ticks the boxes a little bit when but, you have like a rom com, you know. Yeah, sort of. I guess Wes Anderson's version of a rom com. Tyler Watts, I love you, man. <laughs> it can be difficult in this culture for men to have close relationships with other men. This movie shows how rewarding it can be. Uh, and not care what the culture of toxic masculinity dictates. That's a good point, Tyler. And I actually like that movie because you can put Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel and anything and I'll watch it. Love those dudes. All right. Let me tick through a few more of these. Uh, Sweet Home Alabama from Melanie Kaufman. The relationships feel real. And there are no pointless misunderstandings to further the plot. It all seems to happen naturally. All right. I'll buy that. And we'll finish up here with Susie Buttress. Pretty Woman. It's problematic now in many ways, but I still enjoy watching it for the strong character of Vivian achieving her dreams. Yeah, you know, looking at movies through the, the current lens, uh, these past movies, it can be tough. Uh, a lot of movies are problematic now. You Some know? of them don't age well. Yeah. 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 What can you do? This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. All right, so that's social studies for the week. Uh, and now we will move on to a new, brand new segment called Recommended Viewing. For Recommended Viewing, what I'm going to do is go through a, a recommendation for a foreign film, a documentary, and an independent film. Because uh, I love those types of movies, and not everyone does. So maybe broaden your horizons a bit. Um, always looking for recommendations from you about these two. So uh, for a foreign film, which I will call Not Born in the USA, City of Lost Children, 1995, from the writing-directing team of Junot and Corot uh, of Amelie fame. That was the movie that kind of put them on the, the mainstream map. But before Amelie in 1995, they did City of Lost Children, starring Ron Perlman and a whole host of uh, Frenchies. And it's about this creepy old guy who is aging prematurely because he can't dream any longer. So he steals, he, he invents a machine where he steals the dreams of children. Have you seen it? Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's such a great movie. I love it. People dog on it a little bit because, I mean, it is kind of like a fairy tale-y kind of, oh, yeah. you know, idealized yet dark Tim Burton-y kind of thing. And I think uh-huh. some people think it's a little overwrought, but I, I adore it. Yeah. And uh, Delicatessen, too, which came before it. Yes. Similar quirky vibe. That yeah. Kind of went balls to the walls with on Amelie. But, like, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're fantastic. I love those guys. Well, and it's funny when you see Amelie. Such a sweet story, and like Delicatessen and City of Lost Children were so not. Yeah, I guess what I mean is like just the quirk factor. They oh, just yeah. like upped it through yeah, the yeah. roof for Amelie, kind of. Yeah. It was all that and none of the darkness or much, much less of it. Yeah. What have those guys done lately? 
Well, they did one of the Alien movies, oh, Alien really? Resurrection, and they, they kind of split up. Like I oh. think actually there was another movie that one of them did on their own um, about like a wartime movie. I uh-huh. can't remember what it's called now, but um, but one of them did one of the Aliens, right? Correct. I think it was Alien Resurrection. Yeah, mm, yeah. interesting. All right, so I'm going to move on. Uh, I think Noel might be looking that up, but I'm going to move on to my documentary recommendation. And this is one of my favorite documentaries of all time, if not my favorite, and it is The Great Vernon, Florida. Uh, from 1981, um, Errol Morris, one of, you know, one of the best there is. And it was, I think, his second documentary after Gates of Heaven. And I, I would recommend all Vernon, uh, oh, I'm sorry, all Errol Morris docs. Vernon, Florida is a story of Vernon, Florida, it is this um, small town in the Florida panhandle and not on the beach. You move uh, inland from the beach on the panhandle and you get some real Florida going on there. And the whole idea of this movie was there was an insurance scam going on in this town where people were cutting off limbs to claim insurance, like literally cutting off hands and feet so they could – uh, claim insurance money. Errol Morris heard about this, went down there, and it ended up not being about that. I, I'm not sure. I think no one would talk about it, maybe, but he ended up just being like, "Wow, I got to stay in this town because these people are a, a story unto themselves." Florida man cuts off limb for insurance money. <laughs> Have you seen Vernon, Florida? No, I just know about Florida man. Florida uh, man Trebay, they do no, some weird shit down there. I cannot say with stronger yeah. words for you especially to see Vernon, Florida yeah. as soon as you can. I will. I've only seen The the Thin Blue Line. Uh-huh. That's the only one I've seen of his. Oh, oh no, really? and Fog of War. I've seen Fog of War as well. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, while we're on Errol Morrison, after Vernon, Florida, Fast, Cheap, and Out of Control mm-hmm. is unbelievable and what I would say you should go to second. But Vernon, Florida is great. Um, anyone who's seen it, it's very slow moving, but he just does the Errol Morris thing and sets the camera up and talks to these people who uh, – I don't want to disparage them in any way. Just watch it. Uh, there are a bunch of different characters from the, the local sheriff to the turkey hunter. Uh, turkey hunter is one of the, the most beloved characters I've ever seen uh, on uh, on a film screen. And weirdly, my friend uh, Mike in real life, uh, Mike Anderson, ended up – kind of making friends with the turkey hunter by calling the guy. He just looked him up and called him and was going to do a little follow-up documentary on him. And he, he sadly passed away while they were kind of talking about this. But he would play me voice messages from this dude. And if you're a fan of Vernon, Florida, then you know to actually get uh, on the phone with the turkey hunter is quite a treat. So go check that out. And then finally, uh, my independent film recommendation, I'm going with one from just a few years ago called The Spectacular Now. And it is a romantic... uh, It's not a romantic comedy. It's a a romance movie. uh, Filmed entirely in Athens, Georgia. I remember that. I lived there, actually, when that was happening. I remember that. Oh, yeah, I bet Mm -hmm. you did, huh? Yep. Local Athens filmmaker. Yep. uh, His name is James Ponsolt. And it starred... uh, Well, it was written by Scott uh, Neustadter and Michael Weber. But it starred Miles Teller and Cheyenne Woodley. Uh, Brie Larson had a part. Jennifer Jason Lee and Bob Odenkirk were great in supporting roles. But it's really just a great, great coming-of-age romance. So, so real. One of the most real movies about teenage love that I've ever seen. 
Uh, Miles Teller plays kind of a uh, straight-up party guy in his senior year, um, super popular, clearly has an alcohol problem even at that young age, and he meets a nice girl uh, in Cheyenne Woodley, um, but a different kind of nice girl. And there are no tropes. There are no uh, – there's no schmaltz. It's just really real and very sweet, and I just couldn't recommend it more. It's called The Spectacular Now, and I'm not sure if you can stream this, but I hope you can. And you said you did not see it, Noel? I have not seen it. No, I just remember when it was in production, and uh, it was on the shelf of the local video store. RIP Vision Video, by the way. <sighs> They're all gone now in, in Athens. You know I worked there, right? I did not, but that was definitely the cool spot to work. Yeah. How all, all the band folks worked at Vision. Like That was where I you know, get man. the best recommendations. And I worked at the downtown Vision Video, and I think I've uh, told the story on the show, but it was the cool video store in Athens. It's where my eyes were really opened. Uh, to different kinds of movies, thanks to the dudes that work there. And, uh, yeah, I read that they were closing down. Very sad. Uh, anyway, check it out. Spectacular now. And now we move on to our final segments. As always, stream this and comment card. And this week, uh, I'm just now finishing up, uh, with my wife. We're a little late on this, but we're, we're watching The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu. Did you see it? I started. Um, it, it it's it's tough, and I, I was not in the mood for something quite that. Uh, that I hear tough. you. Yeah, yeah. It is uh, obviously the story from the great uh, novel by Margaret Atwood. It is a dystopian uh, drama uh, slash. It's almost a horror movie mm-hmm. in some ways, yeah. or a, a horror you know tale. Sure. Uh, it's a very tough thing to watch. It's not the kind of thing you watch. And you're like, oh, this, you know, <laughs> I look forward to watching it every night. But it's so good and well made that it's almost required viewing, I think, especially in this day and age. Uh, it's amazing that this book was written in the mid 1980s. Although I guess it was written during, uh, the height of the Cold War and the Reagan administration. Sure. So that's probably where that came from. But all these years later, it's, it seems more relevant than ever. Uh, starring Elizabeth Moss. Samira Wiley, Joseph Fiennes, and Yvonne Strahovski, among many others. It is uh, depressing, and like Noel said, it's a tough watch. Ultimately, it is a great show, though, and um, I believe they're furthering the story with a season two. Um, and I just read last night, sadly, Margaret Atwood isn't really making any much dough on this. She had sold the film rights back in the either 80s or early 90s, and they made a pretty dumb, bad movie version yeah. of The Handmaid's Tale. But when you sell – I mean, she signed the paper, but when you sell the rights like that, it, it wasn't for like a few years, or if they make this, it's forever. I think I heard an interview with her on NPR, though, where like the sales of that book are up so much yeah. because of it, and she's obviously getting residuals on Yeah, that, she said so. the book sales are up, which is good, and that she uh, did get paid some as a uh, consultant mm-hmm. on the on the TV show, but – uh, it's not some big windfall of cash for her. Is, do you know if it's like – are they expanding on the book? Because it seems to stretch it out as much as they have. It couldn't be exact. It's not I didn't a super read the long book. book. But if they're doing a season two, I'm sure that it's yeah. – um, that they're expanding on yeah. it. But yeah, tough show. But ultimately, um, like I said, worth worth watching. Then finally, we're going to finish up with the comment card segment where I read through some of these uh, emails called from Facebook. So they're not really emails. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, this is from Jonas Billiot. Do you have any deep thoughts on the film versus digital debate? Well, Jonas, I do. I'm going to get Noel's thoughts in a minute too. Um, 
Here's my thing. When it first started out, I was a bit of a film purist and thought, no, stick with film. It's richer. It looks better. I do have a bit of nostalgia for that uh, clickety-click in the world, the projector in the background. Um, however, things have progressed such that digital is uh, looks amazing. All of even movies shot on film that there aren't a ton these days are being shown in theaters and on television digitally anyway. So uh, I, I say digital is, is the way to go for sure. It, it has opened up um, – it's opened up filmmaking to so many more people that would not have that access because let's face it, uh, if you're a, a small little indie filmmaker, the days of spending tens of thousands of dollars on uh, cans of film and uh, – transfer and develop uh, developing this film and processing it it's just it made it very cost prohibitive and now you can go shoot a movie on your iPhone which uh, Steven Soderbergh did and saw the trailer for that thing yeah I think the guy that did the that movie the Florida project that made a big splash this uh-huh. year um, his first movie I think it's called tangerine shot on iPhone. I haven't seen that I've heard great things yeah, I haven't I haven't seen either of those but I know he shot Florida project on film so it's an interesting yeah. like dichotomy there or whatever you know but uh, anything to me that broadens uh, filmmaking and uh, democratizes it so people that normally could not make movies can make movies, I am all about it. Uh, I am glad that there are people that are going out there and shooting film still that uh, have deep pockets backing them. That's kind of cool. But uh, overall, I don't think there is any debate any longer. Digital is just fine. I think for me, I, I, it makes me really appreciate the craft of like those movies that were shot and edited entirely on film because oh, yeah. you, your choices are so much more limited. It's like you, you have to get it, get yeah. the shot, get the take, and then cut it by hand or splice it with like on, on a block or whatever. Yeah. Today, it's like, you know, we can shoot infinite takes. Yeah. And, you know, pick our selects and make, you know, yep. so many different versions of things. So it really makes me appreciate the way things used to be done. But that being said, the medium isn't limiting the way you behave. I mean, people that worked on film still maybe just do one or two takes and on digital and, and yeah. they still have that like artistry and that craft. But it just kind of makes me think back and like how amazing was it that like The Godfather, you know, was all shot on film and edited yeah. by hand. And yeah. The sound, all that stuff blows my mind. But digital is so adaptable and you can make it look however you want. Yeah. If you want it to look really clean or like video or you can make it look like film. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of options there, which I think is ultimately super cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you for sure. And the, the notion of, you know, 24 little pictures in a second um, is just I kind of romanticize it a little bit. And my, my friend, um, Scotty Ippolito, who named Movie Crush, big shout out, one of my best friends. He's a cameraman here in town and a director of photography. And he will, uh, he certainly loves digital, but being on set, he does poo poo the fact that there are a lot of, um, directors now that he doesn't feel like probably are the most talented people mm-hmm. because they're just like, set up five cameras and shoot it all forever. Yeah. And we'll figure it out later. Mm-hmm. It's not a great approach. Um, yeah. like you said, the, the, to have to make choices, like, that's really why you test your metal as a filmmaker, I sure. think. Um, but ultimately, I, I do think it's a good thing. It's the same in music with like recording to tape versus recording digital. Yeah. It's like when you're recording on tape, 
your take is your take. Yep. That's it. And when you're recording on digital, you can do just splice things together and yeah. do infinite takes and all that. So it's like now, in the same way the film, like when people record in studio, a lot of times they'll record some stuff on tape, like uh-huh. drums, they'll record it on tape, and then everything else they'll record in Pro Tools on digital or whatever. So uh-huh. it's like a hybrid of the two. You know, huh. It's interesting. Very interesting. All right. So thanks, Jonas, for that. Great question. Um, Colin Maydahl, here's your question. Any thoughts on the potential Tarantino Star Trek movie? And did you see Colossal? Uh, I'll go backwards here. I did not see Colossal yet, but I've heard it's really, really great, and I can't wait to see it. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's the uh, Anne Hathaway movie that kind of flew under the radar. Um, and it, the premise sounds really kind of nuts that there's this um, this giant monster terrorizing some other part of the world uh, that she is seeing on television, on the news, and somehow – she links up and is able to control that monster. It sounds nutty. It's a weird concept. Did you I see like it? it? No, I just I heard the concept alone just kind of made me, you know, turn my head. That's that's an interesting one. Never heard anything quite like that. Yeah, but I mean, all the reviews are just off the charts. So I definitely want to see it. Um, as far as a Tarantino Star Trek movie, I think everyone knows my stance on Tarantino, which is I loved him, um, and now I'm a little wary of him. I think his movies are way too long now and pretty indulgent um, with the scripts. Having said that, I will still see anything Tarantino puts out because I feel like I should and have to. Uh, he is one of the essential filmmakers of our day. Um, but, I, you know, his past few movies I just I haven't loved. As far as Star Trek goes, I am not uh, – I've never been a Star Trek dude. Didn't watch the TV show. I've only seen – a couple of the various iterations of the films over the years um, that were fine, but as a non-Star Trek person, it's hard to really get super into it. So I don't really have a uh, a take as far as no, you can't do that to Star Trek because I don't. It's not a beloved thing like that. I think it is a very interesting idea to see what Tarantino would do with any any iconic uh, property and franchise like this. Um, he's never done sci-fi at all, of course. Do you think he's just getting bored or do you think he just like really just had a bang up idea that he just like, I've got to do this. This has to be done. Never knew that he was a Trekkie. That's interesting. No, I mean, but is this literally going to be a Star Trek movie where they're having these long Tarantino-esque digressions about uh, food menus? Star Trek is a talky show. You know what I mean? Not a whole lot of action on like Next Generation. People are going to ding me for that. I'm sure there's way more. I don't don't watch the show, but it always seemed to me to be a bit more of like a people – Having conversations in space, you know, right. so maybe it'll work. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I will. I will certainly check that out. Um, I'm a Star Wars guy. Not that you have to be one or the other, but obviously way into Star Wars. So if Tarantino did a Star Wars movie, I would be super worried. Mm. Actually, yeah. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. 
style. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Finally, Simon Workman. Uh, this Hello, is a, Simon. Oh, do you really? Yeah, he's, we met him actually. We went for car stuff. We went to Ohio, and uh, he took us out to dinner. And no he, way. Yeah, he, he gave us each a bag of coffee from the coffee roaster he works at. He just got his like PhD in Sherlock Holmes mythos what? lore or whatever. That's yeah. a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like the the. Um, like things like the poisons and uh, like remedies that are in Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> he wrote like his uh, doctoral thesis on that. That sounds like a rap lyric. I yeah. got a PhD in Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, he's a cool guy. <laughs> hi, hi, Simon. Well, that's awesome. Um, this is a great question too, Noel. So you think about this while I answer. Uh, what do you think is the best use of a song in a movie? So not uh, what he's asking about is the best music cue, essentially. Uh, and if you're not down with the lingo, music cue is. When you know something happens in the movie and that song turns on, um, so he's not talking about just soundtrack. This is tough, but I have a few I want to lay out there. I really thought about this long and hard last night. Um, we we just talked about it with the Dave Willis episode on Bottle Rocket, uh, Two Thousand Man, the Rolling Stone song in Bottle Rocket at the end when uh, they're, they've done the break in at the at the warehouse. Just one of the great music cues of all times. Um, really, really good one. Uh, I'm also going to go with uh, These Days from the Royal Tannenbaums. Amazing. Great, great music cue. So good. When it ramps into that slow-mo, yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow gets off the bus, and that sweet song by Velvet Underground and Nico. Or maybe that was just Nico. Was it Velvet That's Underground? That's just Nico, I believe. Okay. I think. You know, yeah. wrote that song. I don't. Jackson Brown. I did not know that. Yeah. There are a lot of great versions of that song, including Jackson Brown, and Greg Allman has a really great, great version. But for my money, Nico's is the best, and that's a great music cue. Uh, and then a few more here. Uh, the Triumvirate from Boogie Nights, the Sister Christian, Jesse's Girl, 99 Luft Balloons sequence in Boogie Nights. Is one Where he's throwing the firecrackers, uh, and like that is the tensest shit I've ever seen in my life. So great. Oh. Alfred Molina, uh, 
oh, what a great, great scene. And that's like a triple music cue just nailed by P.T. Anderson. Um, Tiny Dancer and Almost Famous, Little Schmaltzy. Yeah. With a sing along on the bus, but I buy it. You know why those, those, that one is similar to the Boogie Nights one in that the music is in the scene. It's uh-huh. like interacted with. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's yeah. not just like on the soundtrack, like the character is singing right. the song. It's playing on the stereo. Yeah. They're singing it in the, in the bus or whatever. I like, I like that. Yeah. That's like music as a character almost, you know? Absolutely. Um, I just bought my Elton John tickets for his farewell tour, by the way. Can't wait. Uh, uh, Layla in Goodfellas from Derek and the Dominoes, Eric Clapton's band. Such a great, great music cue in Goodfellas. I have a more favorite one from Goodfellas. It's when they're being chased by the helicopter and it's Harry Nilsson jumping uh, to the fire. Yeah. That's amazing. That is, well, Martin Scorsese is one of the all-time great music Master. cue artists. Yeah, big time. Of all time. Uh, and then finally, um, from Fight Club at the very end, uh, Where's My Mind by the Pixies. Just a great song. And when I first saw Fight Club in the theater, it, it, I was one of those dudes. It blew my mind. Uh, and at the very end, when they come back together mm-hmm. and those buildings are exploding yeah. and they had that great shot from behind and where's my mind starts. It's just fucking fantastic. I have friends that say that one doesn't hold up, but uh, I loved it so much. Fight Club or the, or the Fight Q? Club. Some, I, I have some friends that just don't, they say it's a little, they give them the, the machismo of it is a little cloying. It kind was of a when movie of it its day yeah, for yeah. sure, but, uh, I, I will still watch it and enjoy it. I hadn't, I didn't know the Pixies. So I heard that song oh, wow. and I was like, what the fuck is this? I have uh-huh. to find what this is immediately. And then wow. I got into the Pixies because of that song. Awesome. Yeah, amazing. Very cool. All right. Thank you, Simon Workman. And hello again from Noel. But, uh, that wraps it up for this week, everyone. So as always, I want to uh, let you know about this Friday show so you can watch it this week. Uh, Ben Acker on Miller's Crossing. Uh, Ben is, as you will, as you will find, is one of my good friends out in Los Angeles, and uh, we had a long, long conversation about one of my favorite movies of all time, Miller's Crossing, and the only reason Ben and I didn't talk for eight hours about this is because we wanted to go to dinner and continue talking about Miller's Crossing. We should have just kept the microphones going the whole time. But uh, look forward to Ben Acker on Miller's Crossing, Coen Brothers movie. Check it out this week so you can crush out on Friday with us. Uh, Thanks, Noel, for everything. Yeah, man. And we will see you all next week. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. 
Let's go places. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 